We've been talking about operating in supernatural. In the supernatural. Amen. Second Kings chapter number 2 from verse number 9 to 15. 2 Kings chapter number 2 verses 9 to 15. And yeah. All right. Better. And so it was when they had crossed over that Eli just said to Elisha, ask what you, you may that I do for you before I'm taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he had said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if it is not, if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with the horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha said, saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and, the, it, and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and took hold of his own clothes and tore it into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah and that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now the sons of the prophet who had from who had from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bow to the ground before him. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen. And the first statement I made last week was that Elisha made a choice to operate at a higher level. In God. Amen. Which means that we have a choice to either operate at a higher level, at the medium level, or at a low level. Depending on where we want to operate. Amen. We can make a choice where we want to operate. Amen. The choice is yours. You know, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what you want me to do before I am taken. Today, the Spirit of God is asking you to ask where you want to operate, where God is concerned. Which level do you want to operate in me? Do you want to operate at a low level? Do you want to operate at a close level? Or a higher level. You will see there are three personalities in this story. The, the, the first personality is Elijah. Who was about to leave. He operated at a level. And then there was the second group of people. That is the sons of the prophet. 
who the Bible described them as afar off, which means that they were more spectators than partakers. They were not participating in the in what was going on. They were observing from a distance. You know, observers know things. Observers hear things. Observers say things. But the fact that they know, they see, and they hear, and they say, doesn't mean they are partaking. Do you understand? If you know, you know the story, because of time, I can't read the whole story, but you realize that the observers, the sons of the prophet, from the get-go started asking, uh, telling Elisha, do you know that God is going to take your master away from you today? Which means that they knew. They had knowledge. And they also knew probably that if the master is going to be taken to heaven, the master is not going to be taken with the anointing. The anointing has to be left behind. Because the anointing is not good in heaven. The anointing needs to be used on earth. Even though they knew that the master won't take the anointing to heaven and the master was going to heaven, they were not interested in getting anointed. So they kept asking, do you know your master is going to be taken? I know. Hold your peace. Then they came back again. Do you know that your master is going to be taken? So they were observant. They could see. They knew. They could hear. And they could comment. In the church today, there are those who know. Those who see. Those who hear. Those who comment. But that doesn't necessarily translate to wanting the anointing. Or operating in the anointing. Some people wish they were anointed to do certain things. But wish is not the same as wanting. Are you with me? Wish is not the same as being in need for it. And going to towards it. You know, Eli Shah needed it. He knew what he needed. You know, the, the, the story goes, for, for, for those of you who haven't read the story, the story goes that Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal and challenged Jezebel's prophets and they could not perform. So he caught 400 of Jezebel's prophets and killed them. And when Jezebel heard it, Jezebel said that the gods do so to me and more also if I don't make the life of Elijah like one of the ones that he has killed. So with that, Elijah took off running. And then he went to the cave to meet God and God, he complained and God said that, hey, you are complaining because of the anointing and what you are doing and the way persecution is coming, you are complaining. Okay, let me tell you one secret. You are not the only one I use. God never uses only one person at any one time. There's always an alternative. God always has somebody. You see, it's so beautiful that in church, especially when you think you are the one doing something and you are so... Your replacement is always there. 
and you don't even know that your replacement is there. You just have to step aside one little bit. Then you see your replacement there. And your replacement is always better than you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said your replacement is always better than you. It's a privilege to be used by God. In any capacity whatsoever. Am I talking to somebody? It's a privilege. Anywhere God puts you, it's a privilege. And one thing I've realized about God is that anywhere he puts you, if you allow him, he'll use you to the maximum. You don't have to sit on top of the pulpit to feel that God is using you. Philip was not an apostle. Philip was just an usher. But he was used by God to win a whole city, Samaria. We never had some of the apostles being used to win whole cities. Are you getting it? I always wondered what happened to the replacement of Judas. Matthias. What did, what did he do with the anointing he got? We hear of Philip, but we don't hear of Matthias. Do, do you get it? There are people in the church that say, if I don't get the puppet of the pastor, it means I'm not anointed. It means I can't do anything. Until I stand in front to preach, I can't do what I have to do. I was telling the story about the, the, the uh, uh, assistant pastor that went to the pastor and said that God has told me that you should let me preach. Every four weeks I should preach. Because the mind is that if I don't stand behind the pulpit, I am not anointed. I am not called. Hallelujah. It is not only the pulpit. Ministry, that is ministry. Am I making sense? It is not only when you stand here that you are anointed. You can stand here and not do much. Somebody will sit in the place and that person will win more souls than the one who is standing here. That person will heal more than the one who is standing here. That person will lead more than the one who is standing here. Whatever area God puts you, the anointing he gives you is good enough to win the world. Am I making sense to somebody? Let us stop bringing the world system into the church. See, I want to be the star of the movie. If I'm not the movie star, I'm not the star. If I'm not standing in front and, and, and holding a microphone, I am the... You see, the, 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 the people that have come, the... the uh, What's the right word to use? Servants. The servants who have come these days, they, they bring the world system into this church. Nobody wants to serve anymore. Nobody wants to be a servant. Everybody wants to be a master. They came yesterday. They want to be a master today. They came yesterday. Whose hand have you poured water? How long have you served? I just need an anointing. I just need an anointing. Open the scriptures and start to talk. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. If you say you're anointed, the first question I, will find, I want to ask you is that whose hand did you pour water? Or if you didn't pour water on anybody's hand, you're not anointed. And anointing you carry is not legitimate. Thanks, Camilla. 
Are you with me? Because the, the equation is like this. You move from a servant to a son. Then you become the the one that qualifies to inherit. You cannot become a son just because you call the man of God daddy. Mm. I don't know whether you understand. Some people enter the church one day, the next day they are calling the pastor daddy, daddy, daddy. They say, I'm a a daughter, I'm I'm a son. You are not. It's not by what you call him. You can call him anything you want. No. You start in service. Then from service, you become a child. Then the child becomes the candidate for the anointing. And the anointing is always, you see, the anointing flows from the head to And you see, for the anointing to pass, it must be, the, the, the passer of the anointing must be willing. Do you get it? That is how come your relationship with your father is also very important. Because some people don't get the anointing because the releaser of the anointing was not ready to release it because they did not provoke the right spirit. Uh, I'm saying some very, very heavy things. I don't know whether you are following or getting it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. You serve your way. And I said to you the other day that even if the man is reluctant to pass the anointing to you, if you serve well, you become automatic candidate. Whether they like it or not, they'll pass it. Hallelujah. Okay. So, why are we talking about this anointing? We are talking about this anointing because this anointing is what will differentiate you in the house of God from any other person or any other thing. Are you getting it? What marks you out is the oil that is on your head. I'm saying some heavy things, but I don't think you are are really receiving them. See, everybody can sing. Everybody can play. Everybody can serve. But the one that serves with the oil is the one that makes the difference. If you sing with oil, it it goes further than the one who sings with skill. If you preach with oil, it goes far beyond the one who shouts and sweats. See, our, our naturalness is that the one who is shouting and is very excited and animated and jumping up and down is the one that is anointed. It's not true. The one whose talk transforms your life, that is the anointing. They may be saying stories. They come very boring. I still can't remember the guy's name, that pastor. Very, he talks very lazily and very slowly. I, I said, if I'm in this man's church, I'll sleep. No, 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 it's a, it's a black man. No, it's, it's, a, it's an American 
but he's not loud. He's very laid back. Very. Every time I say I remember the name, I forget. When I'm talking about him, then I remember. But I'll get a name for you. But if you see the impact of his ministry, it is much better than all these people who are shouting and hooping and sweating. I don't have anything against hooping and shouting and sweating. But I'm talking about what makes a difference in the life of a, a person. Hallelujah. You go to church, somebody will sing. That song will change your life for forever. I'll never forget as long as I live. The first time I gave my life to Christ, I was, I was about 11 years old, younger. And I, somebody took me to a church. The church had only 16 people in the church, including the pastor. If I mention the name of the church, everybody will know it. And somebody held the microphone and sang a song, Here We Are in Your Presence, lifting up holy hands. When they finished, I was in tears. I didn't know what I was doing. I was only 11 years old or much younger. Hallelujah. I haven't had that impact since then from a singer till today. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Somebody sang and that song has lasted over 40 years. The impact. Since then, I've heard a lot of people sing. I've heard a lot of choirs sing. I have led a lot of choirs. Big choirs, small choirs, little choirs. I've led a lot of choirs. I've heard a lot of, a lot of preachers preach. But none of them have made that impact that that song and that person made my life. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the oil that impacts. I mean, there, there was no drums. There was no choir. It was just one person holding a box guitar and singing. There was no microphone, nothing. Just a guitar singing. Hallelujah. When you get that oil, you will just talk to somebody for two minutes and that will transform their life forever. You may pray a simple prayer for 30 seconds and that will change the person forever. Hallelujah. That's the oil I'm talking about. That is the anointing I'm talking about. And you see, that anointing, you can operate it in different levels. And the, the level of operation is dependent on you. You choose. Amen. And I said to you, the controversial point that I made last week was that there is a difference between superstition and the supernatural. Majority of the times, what we call the supernatural is superstition. Hello? Majority of the times, in fact, majority of the charismatic churches operate in superstition more than supernatural. When I say superstition, I'm talking about when you make something that is supposed to be 
spiritual or biblical, you make it, you turn it into a magic rather than the essence of it. For instance, we have turned prayer into a magic. It's a one size fits all. If you want the man to live, to marry you, pray. You want a job, pray. You want uh, money, pray. I don't have anything against prayer. But you see, prayer in itself is not a solution. Prayer enables you to connect with God. God gives you the wisdom. God gives you the approach. Then you've got to use the grace and the wisdom to go and get a job. That is the supernatural. Are you, are you getting it? It's not like, ah, ah, you have a dream. Come, let me pour oil. There's somebody in your mother's house. That is the one who is the witch. Come, let me pray for you. Then they pray. Then I'm not saying they are not witches, but when you make everything spooky and everything take another form, how many know that most of us from Africa, we came from the background of voodoo worship? How many know what I'm talking about? And so, traditional worship, ancestral worship, we have found a way to amalgamate it into Christianity. Are you with me? So it's like, even when somebody is anointed, they have to display. Otherwise, you don't feel that they're anointed. How many know what I'm talking about? One day, one day, a lady came to me and said, Pastor, I know when anointing comes on you. And then I said, how do you know? He said, Pastor, when you come to preach and your eyes are red, then I know that today the anointing has come. But you see, the truth of the matter is that for me and I'm sure for most pastors, most pastors, Saturday night, they don't sleep to Sunday morning. I don't sleep Saturday night. I pray all night and come and preach. So when you see my eyes red, it is not that I'm anointed. It's because I haven't slept. (laughs) Do you get it? But the person said, no, when I see your eyes red, it means that the anointing has come. So when I look into your eyes and it's clear, that means that today there's no power. (laughs) But you see what I'm trying to say? When we make superstition out of the super... You see, superstition is, is when prayer answers everything and you don't have any part to play. How many know that gospel? It's the gospel that we preach now. Your, your, uh, uh, come, let's break the curse. Let, your, let's pray. Your uh, grandmother's house, there's a witch that they will die. And you go to a church from January to December. That's all they are preaching. Everything is about Satan. Satan is the responsible for everything. We don't have any part to play. That is not supernatural. And I said to you last week that if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he was so ordinary. And yet he was, he had anointed without measure. But he was so ordinary, the Pharisees could not receive him. 
Are you getting it? Because the Pharisees thought that if he's the son of God, he should be spooky. He should do some extra. You know, he shouldn't be sitting and, and you know, the, the, the lady who was washing his feet with the hair and the tears. Say, if this man knew the, if this man was a real man of God, if he was God, he would know the type of woman this woman is, who is uh, cleaning his feet. Jesus said, the one that is, has been forgiven much, loves much. This woman, I know she has many sins. But out of the natural, there is a supernatural there. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want us to operate in the supernatural, not in superstition. You pray and you enter the office. You go and you work the hardest. You pray, God gives you wisdom. You operate in the wisdom of God. And you get promotion. And you get blessed. And you get even better jobs. That is supernatural. Not you are the laziest in the place. You never work right. You are always doing the wrong thing. Then you come. You pour, pour oil on you, and we buy the oil, you go and get promotion. Where is that head? How many understand what I'm trying to say? You, go, you, 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 you misbehave. And cover it with prayer. Preach, Pastor, preach. Are you getting it? You are the most irresponsible person and yet the most prayerful person. And we are supposed to relate with you as a man of God. No. Hallelujah. So we started looking at the obstacles. The obstacles or the barriers that stops us from operating the supernatural. And the first one we talked about was ignorance. You remember? We said people don't operate in the supernatural because people are ignorant about it. They don't know that they can operate in the supernatural. Listen, in the cake, Glennis, in the baking of your cake, you can be so anointed when you bake your cake and you give it to anybody. Whoever is sick will be healed. You can be so, Uncle uh, Fred, you can be so anointed that when you fix something, Bezalil, the, the grace, the, the presence of God enters the building because you have done it. When you are anointed as a wife, you, you, your, your husband will sit with the princess like a, a Proverbs 31 woman at the gate because you have oil on you. When you are anointed as a worker, one day your boss will call you and say that I know by experience that God has blessed me because of you. So now I want us to become partners. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm not talking about spookiness. I'm talking about operating in the in a high-powered supernatural level of anointing through the ordinary. 
When you are anointed, you will know more than your teachers. Bible says that Jesus, he was only 12 years old. But the scribes and the elders were so confused and so surprised by the intelligence and the knowledge that he had. In Psalm 119, it says that through, through your word, I know more than my teachers. I am wiser than them. I operate in supernatural wisdom because of the anointing. In 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says that and the unction that you have received from God, the anointing that you have received is such that you don't need anyone to teach you again. But God himself will teach you the things that you ought to know. When you receive the oil, you read the scriptures and it will come alive. When you receive the oil, you enter into a house and you know what is going on before anybody opens their mouth. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to make you testy for the anointing, the, the, the supernatural, not the spooky. The spooky natural. I don't want the spooky natural. I want the supernatural. There's a difference between the spooky natural and the supernatural. And you see, real anointed people, they are very, very normal. Very ordinary. The ones that do nothing. Number two, the reason why we don't operate in this level of anointing is because we are contented. We are too satisfied in the, in the place we are. We are happy. Do you know that Elijah, Elijah could have died and left the oil and taken the oil with him if Elisha was contented to just serve and not want anything? Some of us, that's how we are. We don't want anything. We are okay to serve in church. We are okay to serve in the house of God and everything. But really, we don't want the anointing. Why do I, do I say that you don't want the anointing? You don't do what it takes to get the anointing. Because to get the anointing, you have to do some things. Hallelujah. One day I said, I said to uh, Kieran, I said to him that, listen, don't want to be skillful. I said, it's okay, learning skills, you know, YouTube and everything, learning skills and learning how to play and everything. I said to him, I don't want to just to be skillful. Want to add oil to what you are playing. But when you have oil, the oil makes the difference to whatever skill you have. Are you getting it? I used to be a choir director, and almost all the time, when he came for my choir rehearsal, a prayer meeting and preaching. We had four choirs. The church was divided into four services. We had four different choirs. Choir one, choir two, choir three, choir four. My choir was choir number four for the fourth service. And we had the same number of people in here, same number of people, because they took the whole choir and then broke it into four. So when these people come, they are trying to outsing these people. These people are trying to outsing these people. Then when you come to my place, we are praying. And so they will be annoyed with us. This people, because we are all rehearsing in the same room. These people will be annoyed with us because we are making noise. 
Then when we finish praying, I will take the Bible. Then I'll start preaching. But why is this? <laughs> because I, I told them that every song has a spirit. Are you with me? And you can never sing the song well if you don't know the spirit of the song. So when I take the song, I take the spirit of the song first. Because once you catch the spirit of the song, the harmony is the easiest bit. Sometimes I finish teaching the, the spirit of the song. I don't have time to teach the harmony. So go and sing it tomorrow. Because when you are singing the song with the spirit of the song, the anointing is the same as the anointing that attracted you to learn the song in the first place. How many know that there's an anointing that attracted you to that particular song for you to learn? Because there are thousands of songs. Why did you choose that particular song? It means that there was a certain oil that attracted you to it. So when you are delivering the song, you must deliver the, the song with the same oil. <laughs> Can you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and she'll, she'll tell you, my choir was always the biggest choir. At the point, we were sacked from singing in the church. My choir was not allowed to sing. There are four services. My choir was not allowed to sing. We, we, we only sang when we go crusade. We organize our own crusade and we go and sing. So Sundays we sit down, we don't sing. And yet my choir was the biggest. They would rather not sing on Sunday and sing once every, th every two months or three months. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? Because it's not about the skill. It's about the oil. Say, say it with me. It's not about the skill. It's about the oil. Never ever get satisfied with a small oil. Always want, must want more. Must never ever get satisfied. Must always want more. Hallelujah. Whatever you are doing, never get satisfied just with clap. Or one or two people come to say, oh, you are doing well. No. Stay humble and stay hungry. Oh, I am saying something powerful, but you are not. Always stay hungry. Hungry for more. Hungry for more. Pay every price. Pay every price to go to the place where you can get oil. That's why I get very discouraged when people don't want to go for camp. And they want to make excuses to run away. It means you don't know the value of oil. Listen, one drop of oil will cut five years of suffering from you. Well, I don't know whether you understood what I said. And I don't care what area, not just for church, even your own life, one drop of oil will cut down 10 years of struggle. Stress. There's a scripture in the Bible, I think it's in the uh, Ecclesiastes 10, somewhere. it says that if the axe be dull, Ecclesiastes 10, 27, if the axe be dull, then you need a lot of Strength to cut the tree. But if the axe be, be sharp, then you put that scripture on. Then you don't need 
that much strength. The anointing is like a sharp, the sharpness of the ass. Have you found it? It's 10-10, yeah. I thought If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. Some of us, we are using too much strength. At our workplace, we use too much strength. In our relationship, we are using too much strength. In our study, we are using too much vigor. Too much strength. But when the axe is sharp, the small strength you apply, it cuts quicker and faster. Why would you not want your ass to be sharpened? Hallelujah. It is wise to go to the place where your, your axe will be sharpened. It is wisdom. How many believe that your ass is being sharpened here? It's wisdom to be in a place where you would be sharpened. Number three. The reason, the third reason why we don't get the anointing is because we are too self-indulgent and we lack focus. We are too self-indulgent and lack focus. First Corinthians 9, 25 to 27. They say, every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as the one that beats the air, but I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, Least when I, by enemies, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. See, if you are going to be successful, a successful athlete, you cannot be self-indulgent. You cannot eat too much. You cannot drink too much. You cannot sleep too much. You cannot uh, be too lazy. You know, majority of athletes, when they finish their, uh, their athletics, when they pass, they, 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 they retire from athletics, they get very depressed. You know why? Because the routine of having to wake up at 3 a.m. every day and run 10 miles in the snow, in the cold, in the heat, it doesn't matter. Every day you wake up and you run 10 miles and you come back and you jump. You take, uh, you go, go to the gym. Then in the afternoon you go and do some, some track work. In the evening you go ro- jogging again. When you, you, you do that for 20 something years, 30 something years of your life and then after you stop, you get depressed. Because that's the price they pay to come and stand at the Olympic Games. And they do it for a corruptible crown. 
They all know that out of the eight people, out of the 200 people who are standing to run 200 meters or 100 meters, only eight will qualify for the final. And out of the eight, only three will get a medal. So 200 people start the heats. And they know that even, I mean, you are training for four years and you know that <laughs> you have three in 200 chances to get. But you see, they don't give up, they do it. Some have never ever gone past quarterfinal. Some have never qualified for any final. They hit, they are down. But they still do it. Hallelujah. You cannot be self-indulgent and want the anointing. You come today, you don't come tomorrow. You are in church this week, next week you are not in church. You fast this month, next month you don't fast. You know, today you are a Christian, the next day you are in a nightclub, then the next day you are in a crack house, then you go to the whole house, then you come back to church, and you want to be anointed. No, 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 no athlete behaves that way. Do you understand? They discipline themselves. If you want anointing, you've got to discipline yourself. Hallelujah. It's not everybody that wants to sit in church every day. Hello? How many agree with me? It's not everybody that wants to sit in church every day. Sometimes you want to be at home. But if you want to change that noise, you can never sit at home. I won't get up and pray. I won't pray. I won't go to church. I don't feel like today doesn't feel, I don't feel church. Sit at home. You know, and you want, you want to be, no, no, no. I mean, it's never happened that on Sunday, I'm sitting at home, I'm having a lie-in. For the last 30 years, I can tell you hand on heart, there's never been a Sunday that me, I'm sitting at home chilling. I don't, today I don't feel like church. I've been married to her. She was my witness for 20, how many, 21, 22 years. Ask her. Never one Sunday, whether I am on holiday, whether I am here, wherever I am, I'll find myself to church. But today I don't feel like reading the Bible. Today I don't feel like prayer. No athlete gets up and says that this week, this week I don't feel like training. It doesn't happen. If you're an athlete, you train. That's your life. Not because it's nice to train, but because it must need. Hallelujah. There's a price to pay. I said there's a price to pay. But I'd rather pay that price. I said I'd rather pay that price. You know, for, 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 for me, I always say that for me, it's not if, probable, if I feel, no, no, no. Because I know my life depends on it. I know without it, I'll be, I'd have been dead by now. Are you getting it? So for me, it's not negotiable. 
Are you getting? I know, I know. I know because I, I deal with some very, very significant demons. <laughs> so I know that it's not a negotiable thing. It's not as when you feel like it, no. It, for me, it's a life and death. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a life and death situation. Hallelujah. Number four. The reason why we never get anointed is coldness, carelessness, and prayerlessness. Coldness, carelessness, and prayerlessness. Some of us, we are so cold, we enjoy being cold. You know what it means to be cold. It's like, as for you, you are not to look warm. Lukewarm is when there's a little bit of fire. Like a lot, you take a, a water that is from the kettle and then you put ice blocks in. So it's like, it's not hot, it's not cold. It's lukewarm. <laughs> but for some, we are ice block and we are all right with it. We are cold. We are cold and careless about being cold. We are all right. It doesn't bother us. Paul said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is me if I don't put my knees on the floor to pray. In Luke chapter 80, verse 1, Jesus gave a parable that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Prayer is ought. Somebody say ought. Ought means what? Ought means necessity. It must. It must needs be. Listen, never ever go into a house without praying. A house, you are going to occupy a new house. You don't pray, you go and jump in there. Say, housewarming party. Never ever go and sit on any chair, in any desk, any office without having prayed. Never enter into any relationship without having prayed. You could have been, you have just entered into the relationship with Jezebel or, or the, the, the granddaughter of Satan or grandson of Satan. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's, you know, he's got, you know, when he drops his voice and goes, hi, baby. She's fresh. She's so fresh. Ah, that's Satan's great grandson right there. Have you prayed? Never ever go and sit on a train, on a plane, not having prayed. Don't play Russian roulette with your life. You know what Russian roulette is? Road Ro- over. There's one bullet. Yeah, okay. Then again. 
Uh, <laughs> you are about to scatter your brains. <laughs> Some of us, that's what we do. We play Russian roulette with our lives. So, I've met a guy. He's so nice. He's, uh, you know, when I, when I met him, I felt my, there was a connection. There was a connection. We, 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 we connect on the same level. Listen, you sleep with the wrong person, your life is finished. It's not HIV. No. But for the rest of your life, you'll be tormented till you die. And I'm not trying to scare you. Oh, scare us, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's fine. Yes, he's fine. But from that day, you have a... a, a I, I dealt with a case not so long ago. person slept with somebody years ago, and from that day, she hasn't stopped discharging. For years. I shouldn't. Listen. Oh, let me preach. Listen, your life is too special to be reckless. Are you getting it? You buy a car. You don't pray. You just sit in. Do you know the bottom that was sitting on it before you came there? Don't don't take don't take things for granted. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't take things, don't take life for granted. Paul says that be strong in the grace of God. Be strong in the grace of God. Which means that your strength must not be on things. Your strength must be on his grace. And for, for, for your strength to be in, in grace, it means that you must depend on him. So your prayer level should be high. Your scripture level must be high. Your worship level must be high. That is being strong in grace. Some of us, we are, more, we are stronger in the chair we are about to sit on than the grace of God. We have more faith in the chair we sit on. We have more faith that you open your door and go in. Nothing will happen. Last, last, uh, was it last Wednesday? We finished church. We got home. There was a um, a hedgehog, a very big fat hedgehog, right on my doorstep. When I got there, the hedgehog wasn't there. I went in. When they got there, the hedgehog was there. And the hedgehog, that the way the hedgehog was. Right there. So I came 
and I kicked it. I kicked it from in front of the door because the ladies won't enter because of the hedgehogs. So I kicked it from the door to the, the wall. I went in and came back. The hedgehog had disappeared. I moved the car. The hedgehog was not there. And I was not the only one who saw the hedgehog. They saw, I saw. I didn't take, take anything. I didn't, it didn't bother me. It was two days later, the morning when I got out to leave, I heard the Spirit of God say that that hedgehog was a visitation. It was not a hedgehog. We take things for granted. Hello? I'm not trying to scare anybody. But I'm telling you that we take things for granted. You know, this thing, this thing that we are doing here is not everybody that's happy about. Do, do you get it? Some people are happy about it. Others are not. So you don't just come and stand here after having gone to sleep and eating belafu and come and stand here. Let me give you one last one. Are you, are you okay with me? Yes. Number five. Moving with the wrong people. The wrong people make you go to sleep. I say the wrong people make you go to sleep. The wrong people make you very cold. Show me your friend, I'll show you at the end of your destiny. Show me who your friend is. I'll show you where you end. Can two work together except they agree? Your, de- your friend's destiny is your destiny. Second Kings 2 2. Are you in 2 Kings 2 2? It says that, and Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee. The Lord has sent me to battle. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said, Knowest thou that the Lord will take your master away from your head today? And he said, Yea, I know. Hold your peace. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho said to Elisha, Knowest that the Lord has said, Going to take your master from your head today. He said, I know. Hold your peace. Keep going. And Elisha said, stay here, please. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you, not today. So the two of them went on. And the 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them 
stood by the Jordan. See, those people who are standing at the, at the, at the, at the far distance at the Jordan, when you go to chapter 6, the 50 had come to become the servants of Elisha. Same 50. When Elijah crossed over the Jordan, they saw the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan. They came to serve him. Can you imagine if they had been with Elijah, Elisha? They would have been on top. Can you imagine if Elisha had joined the 50? See, when you see your, your friends end and you see that the end is not correct, you'll be a fool to follow that trend to the end. Are, are you getting what I mean? Listen, as acquaintances, we all have acquaintances, but friends be very selective. Do you, do you get it? Everybody should be your acquaintance, but for a friend, you must be very selective in your choice because your friend affects you. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, as you talk with a person, your mind changes. If the person is negative, you become negative. If the person has a failure mentality, you'll be a failure. You know, on Sunday I was, I was saying that success is the way you think. Failure is the way you think. And the person that you commune with all the time directs how you think. So your friend would determine whether you be successful or be a failure. I don't have a lot of friends. Me, I don't have a lot of friends. And it's deliberate. Because you must be going where I'm going or else you can't be my friend. You can be my acquaintance but for my friend you have to be going where I'm going. Hallelujah. Because yeah. I've seen too many people in my family fall. <laughs> for me to come and become joined to you to fall. And there is enough <laughs> fallers where I'm coming from. I'm not ready to fall. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not doing any questions and answers today. Are we okay? Do you have questions? Does anybody have a question? Nobody has questions. Do you have a question? Uh, if you have a question, I'll take it. How do you let down your friend? Oh, I don't think it's a problem. You know, you know, when, when your friend wants to let you down, they won't ask you for a discussion. Isn't it? So that's it. You also do the same. (laughs) 
I, I, I told you my, my friend that I grew up with, we stayed in the same house from nursery, went to the same school throughout nursery. My friend, when, when he came to meet me in this country, he came to stay in my house. When I was going to university, I was paying uh, my, my fees and my rent and everything to try and school myself. He was always partying. He goes to work Monday to Friday, and then he's in the nightclub from Friday to Sunday. One day I said to him that you cannot live in this house. That was the last day. And he left. A few years later, when life caught up with him, he came back to me and said, help me. You know, I said to somebody one day that you cannot put somebody on your back and climb a tree. Some people, like are, they are like dead weight. Whilst you are trying to climb the tree of life, they are dead weight on you. Can't climb very well. Drop them. You come back and pick them. When you are perched on top of the tree, it's easier to pull somebody up. But it's more difficult to carry the person when you are climbing up to the tree. You won't get far. So the greatest blessing you can give to your friend is to drop them. So that you go up. Then you show him that it's possible to get them. Because this same friend came back to me one day and said, that, what can I do? I said to him, go to school. <laughs> when I was going to school, he was laughing at me. But when I finished, I told him, go to school. Then he went to school. When he finished, I said, get this job. He got a job. When he said, buy this house. What the house? Anything he does, he will call me. So, I want to run this thing by you. What do you think? The only thing I haven't been able to succeed in do, making him do is to marry. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yes. Do you apply the same rule? You don't drop, but you leave. You leave. I have a brother who's 18, 18 months older than me. At the point, I had to drop him. And I did. Because I was schooling, and every time, see, he would call. Uh, there is a new venture. He has started a business. He's uh, doing oil. He's exporting oil. Sent 3,000 pounds. I mean, I needed about uh, 9,000 to pay my, my, my fees and then pay my rent. Then I'll find 3,000 and send to him. Then he'll call again. Uh, uh, he, he has bought a taxi, but he hasn't finished paying. I should send money. Then I will send. Then you call again. Uh, something has happened. Some people have, you know, they are taking him to police. I need to emergency. Sometimes you let people call. The point is, you let you let my mother call me. Or sometimes my sisters call me. At the point I say you. As we speak now, I look after his children. But I told him, you, I'm not looking after you again. But I'm looking after his children as we speak. Have I answered your question? Yeah. Any other person? 
Are we through? Stand to your feet.